Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Tech Podcast. Today's going to be an interesting podcast episode. A viewer, or I should say listener, has asked an interesting question. And uh, they actually posed the question a, a while back, uh, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't like a spam type of thing. And uh, so, you know, had some additional communication and it is a, it is a real question. Um, and I put some thought to it and it is really a, a valid question. Uh, and so before we get into it, I do want to say that, that this is going to be covering um, what I'm going to just refer to as adult content. And so I don't believe, you know, I'll get any more sort of graphic than that, but I like to keep these episodes, you know, pretty clean. So, um, so just be aware that it's, it's covering the topic of adult content. So, you know, if that means something to you and, you know, if you're not 18 and, you know, it's like, maybe this might not be the best episode for you or, you know, you should go get permission or whatnot. Um, so essentially the question refers to, um, and, and I, the reason I, I think the question is valid is because technology has a lot to do and has a, has had a lot to do with the proliferation and the ease of access to adult content that has not been, uh, you know, we've, we've just never experienced a time like this where, you know, that, um, along with everything else is so accessible. And, um, this is, what I'm also not going to do is make judgments based, uh, um, make judgments on whether adult content is good or bad. I think that's up to the individual. I do think it's quite interesting. I did listen to uh, one of the episodes that the minimalists uh, made and where they invited on an adult star uh, to discuss, you know, somewhat similar I guess I guess to discuss adult content, and what was really kind of fascinating about that episode and a little bit shocking and disturbing to me was that the adult uh, movie star uh, was the one to explain <laughs> that it's not always good, like that there's a there is a negative to it, um, and it can negatively affect people. Um, and it's not just always all good, right? Some people may take a strict stream stance of that it's all bad. Some people may take the stance that it's all good, but I think, you know, their answer was the most realistic, um, and accurate, which is that it's in, it depends on the circumstance, um, and a lot of factors and it defect and it, depends on how it affects the individual as well. But before we get into that, um, I want to take a little bit, or as we get into this, I wanted to take 
a little bit of a journey back in time to uh, I, I love the Bo Burnham uh, he has his last comedy special he has the song I've references referenced this one time before it's called welcome to the internet and he has this phrase that says uh, oh what's this um, can I interest you in everything all of the time and uh, it's it's well there's a specific phrase in that song um, so he's sort of a mu musical comedian um, and he says something like it didn't always used to be like this uh, and I'm trying to think of the exact line um, he, he was like oh the, the line is not very long ago just before your time um, there was oh I, I oh uh, right before the towers fell circa 99 there were catalogs and travel blogs a chat room or two and so in other words like there's an expert there's a reality that really the internet has changed dramatically over the last 20 years and before the 2000s and even you can say in the midst of like the early 2000s but really like before the 2000s the internet was not the infrastructure was not in place and the computing power was not there uh, to really display a lot of images or, um, or transmit a lot of images and certainly wasn't very good at transferring video either um, so just because of the technological constraints it was a very different time you just couldn't share data as quickly as you can now uh, and so if we travel back in time to I guess uh, let's just call it the 90s um, there was there was not the ability to stream content you couldn't stream music you couldn't stream movies you can even buy music or movies online. Like Amazon was not a thing. eBay was not a thing. Um, you know, there was other, uh, you know, like they're just, the reality was if you needed to buy something or rent something, you had to get in your car and you had to drive to a store. Like, you know, unless you lived in town and you were close enough to walk, but like, you know, considering like groceries is or a thing like i don't know anybody who walked to get their groceries like everybody you had to go physically to a store so when it comes to entertainment you there there used to be many like uh, sort of neighborhood owned uh or independently owned home video stores Right, that would sell or rent movies and um, video games and that sort of thing. Um, they even used to rent out like actual video game consoles. Like you could rent the whole console, uh, <laughs> and um, 
every town really, you know, like every place in America, like had their own little independently owned movie store. Um, and so this was even before like Walmart. It was really before the rise of Walmart. Um, and before the rise of, of Blockbuster, which is what came a little later. So we'll come back to that. But in these independently owned movie stores, when you would go and rent a movie, they had sections, right? There was the action section, the horror section, romantic comedy section, etc. Um, and in most of these places, they had a, a room in the back or off to the side or wherever that was that was either behind a door or some sort of curtain. And that's where the adult content was, right? So, and because the nature of having to be in a physical space with other people around, you know, there's there was a certain amount of like social, um, I don't even know what to call it, like the social influence on whether or not you would even go into that back room, right? Assuming you were old enough to do so, like assuming you're, assuming you're an adult. Um, because generally speaking, people have been very private about that part of their life, right? So you don't necessarily like, you know, want to go into the back room with a curtain and then maybe see someone back there that you know, or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and if you were not, you know, if you were, like, if you were not 18, uh, then you, you just like weren't allowed back there, right? You can get in trouble for going back there if you if you even had the interest to do that such a thing. Um, so so if people wanted to access it, you know, it was there at the at the um, local village or town video store. Um, but you could also you would also have to like you know go in there get what you wanted and then actually go to the counter and deal with like a human being right like they look at what you're renting they look at you in the face you know there's a thing there right so like what i equate this most to the easiest way to describe this is like accessing adult content used to be like buying cigarettes or beer right there was there was someone that you physically had to take the product to that was sitting at the counter and they had to look at you and verify you you know maybe check your id or whatever and then and also like you know so that could deter a lot of people so so, so a lot of people might not purchase this kind of material in their town. They maybe maybe they do it when they're on vacation or like when they're traveling, and then they see some, you know, um, large adult place on the side of the uh, off of the highway or something where where like they know there there's a very low likelihood that they're going to run into someone that they know or be judged for what they're purchasing by whoever's behind the counter because you're never going to see the person again. So, and then, and then if you were not 18, like you, you just couldn't, you just couldn't access this stuff. Um, there was, 
I, you know, I think in typical like convenience stores, there was, I guess, magazines behind the counter, um, you know, sort of, I guess, towards the top shelf or something like that, or behind the counter, you know, where the person was sitting. So it was still like that same thing, like, uh, you know, I guess it was there, but it wasn't really accessible. Um, there's a movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey and, uh, oh, what's his name? Well, it's an old school movie. And this movie is about like, it's, oh, it's called Dazed and Confused is the name of the movie. If you haven't seen this movie, I recommend going watching it. Dazed and Confused. It's a classic movie. And it's, there's a lot of like really pop actors who became very popular. And this was like one of their first roles. So you, so you see a bunch of people in there um, that are in these really like interesting roles. Uh, and so that's interesting from that capacity. But it's also representing like sort of high school. Um, graduating high school and sort of the hazing process that would go on between like upperclassmen, lowerclassmen. And I guess this was like the 70s is the time frame, 60s, 70s, something like that. 70s, I guess. Um, and the reason I bring this up is that there was uh, this character that um, Matthew McConaughey plays in this movie is there's there's essentially a party that happens in the movie right like everybody goes to this big party um and most of the people there are like seniors in high school but this matthew mcconaughey character um mr all right all right all right right he's there hanging out but he's been out of high school for like 10 years but he's still hanging out with the high school kids, going to the high school parties. And he even has a line in this movie where he says, he says, uh, like, they, uh, I keep getting older, they stay the same age, in his little accent or whatever, right? So the, in the movie, he was sort of portrayed as like the cool older guy that was the one that was buying beer and things for the, for like the high school kids. But you could also interpret that as like an extremely creepy character also. So it's like the, the movie doesn't necessarily judge the character. They kind of just show them to be who they are. Um, because it's like, you know, it's Matthew McConaughey and how he is in most of his stuff. He's like that cool guy or whatever. Um, so, the point of bringing that up is that like just like getting beer you would need someone older who is willing to essentially break the law to give you to buy beer for underage people right and similarly like you know that same type of person is the type of person that may buy have have bought some content you know, adult content for like their younger brother or whatever, that kind of thing. So it's just like, it was just very, um, very, very different time. And we're not talking about like a, a 
crazy long time ago. Um, you know, this is like 20, 30 years ago, maybe. Um, I mean, you know, 2000s is not that long ago. Um, so, so just the point being, and I think I've stressed this and gave this examples that the, the point is that the content was not readily available, right? It was either that you had a friend who had a whole older brother or something, or you had like, you know, maybe like your parents had something and you found their stuff or someone at school had something like these are the kind of ways that like rare circumstances that anyone would be exposed to like adult content. It just wasn't really a thing. Um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a thing. Um, and then fast forward to today and everyone that has a phone, that has a tablet, that has a video game console, that has a smart TV, that has a computer, you know, all has access potentially to this adult content. And which is just radically different, right? Like back then, society sort of had it set up in a way to try to separate out certain adult places from like even like gambling and things like that like gambling and you know other places like couldn't be within a certain distance from like schools for example but the irony now is that you can gamble on your phone and you can look at all this stuff on your phone and like most of the people in these schools have this stuff on them so there's we're sort of living in a time where there there's like we've lost this social contract of separating out or creating distance from this type of content, especially when it comes towards like anyone under age, right? Under 18. Um, but, you know, same thing for adults. It's also that social contract is, is no longer what it was because you just can't, uh, you know, because now again, like you don't have to go into a store and look someone in the face and say, here, I want to buy this thing. Um, you know, none of that is there anymore. Everybody could just stay home and do whatever they want to do and look at whatever they want to look at. And um, it's drastically different, drastically different. So, so we went from um, these village town video stores and what's interesting is that sort of evolved where blockbuster video was this company that sort of recognized the opportunity that like every town in america has one of these like video stores like why don't we just create a chain and do whatever they do maybe get better deals with um you know the movie companies or whatever they did um and just these these like kind of the exact same thing was like when walmart started popping up and a bunch of small businesses closed blunt and blockbuster opened up then the local video stores like most of them went out of business um and the reason i bring up blockbuster is because again on the technology side in the early like I mean, I guess in the 90s, like people just didn't have, most people just weren't on the internet at all. 
Like they they were not on the internet. There there was no thing that, as the internet that people really knew. It was like computers were pretty new, and they were rapidly evolving. If you watch the original Jurassic Park movie, you'll see the scene where these kids are like they're in the the they get into the little Jurassic Park van. Uh, it's like a it's not the jeep, but it's whatever those little trucks they had are are those like four-door trucks i guess um whatever you call those it was like an suv kind of a thing and they're all excited because this computer system in there has cd-rom right so you can tell like even back then that the technology was evolving so fast where it was like computers it's almost it was almost like every year the computers just really like leapfrogged themselves generationally like stuff went out of out of date like very quickly, um, and it was just it was most about um, like peripherals and things like that, like going from a five and a quarter inch floppy to a uh, what is it a three and a half inch. I guess they still called it a floppy disk, but it wasn't actually like floppy. It was a just a disk, and then to CD-ROM. Um, and these type of things like cd-rom was like a huge huge leap forward um truly was now computers don't even have that um generally when you buy a new one just like cars don't have cd players anymore but uh so during that time the internet was like really like there were some people who were online but unless you were like really interested in it, like you were either working in IT or you're just like really like nerdy or into it or really excited about it, like it was very rare for people to be online at all. So when Blockbuster popped up, they actually, I guess they sort of did two things. One, they eliminated the adult section. I don't think that they had one. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think that they did. I really don't think that they did. Um, but what they also did was they, in every single Blockbuster store, once they became prol proliferated throughout the country, AOL came along, America Online. And they were the really the company. They were like, American, American Online was like, America Online uh, was really like what Apple computers did to computers. Um, what I mean by that is Apple was not the first company to make a computer, right? But they were the first one to really make a computer accessible to the average person that was not really into technology, right? Um, just like what the iPhone did with smartphones. Like before the iPhone, it was Blackberries and Palm Pilots. It was very much about business, 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 business. If you, you really needed to like either be, you know, someone in IT or someone who really needed that for business. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had one of these, you know, early smartphones. Uh, but when the iPhone came out, they beca it became so easy to use that it became fashionable. Um, so AOL came along 
and really was the conduit for exactly what they said for getting America online. Like to, that's exactly what they went out set out to do, and that's exactly what they did. And so they must have done some sort of partnership with Blockbuster because they had the anytime you would go rent a movie at Blockbuster on the counter as you're leaving there would be these AOL discs then they would say free you know get online for free it was all like that kind of thing and you could literally and plus because of CD-ROMs were so cool that you're like ooh this free CD-ROM like even that alone was like a cool factor uh, and so you would take that home and it it you know you'd install the cd you know you install the software and it would walk you through how to get online because people just didn't know this was before people had cell phones you know only the wealthy business people had cell phones having a cell phone during that time period would be like having a tesla plaid edition like you know it exists out there but it's so rare that only the most like wealthy affluent like you know baller type people or business people would have it otherwise like it you just wouldn't see it you know it's, it's not even something you would see normally unless you lived in like a city with a lot of rich people in it so so yeah so it was very very rare um so you you would You'd get this AOL disk, you would install it in, and you know, it first kind of had to explain, like you had to figure out how to plug a phone line into your computer. Like this was a whole thing, like you had to figure out, there was no Wi-Fi. Like there was no Wi-Fi. If you go back and watch one of Steve Jobs' um, keynotes, one of the Apple keynotes, I think it's for the... I want to say it's for the iBook G4. Could be wrong about that, but like one of the things that he showed, I think it I think it's that one is that like <laughs> with the laptop, he literally like t takes his hand and he goes around the laptop, right? And he's like showing that it's connected to the internet without being connected to any wires. Like that was a mind-blowing thing. And that and that came out like early 2000s so the so like no there was no wi-fi you had to and there was no like ethernet there was dial-up it which which you had to literally connect a phone line which is the same one you would connect to your dial-up phone on just sitting on the wall in the kitchen in your grandma's house to your computer so you wouldn't just unplug that phone and then plug it into your computer some people would just put their computer next to their phone so they actually would do that so it was easier right so like in the beginning it's like well i don't know i need i need to be able to connect it to the phone line so let me just put my computer next to the phone and then and then they figured out like you could get these splitters where it would like you connect your phone line to one end and then there's two phone lines that come out of it and one goes to your to your phone and wherever that is on the wall that never moves and then the other one could be routed to your computer if you wanted to put your computer in another room because it was you know 
the ideal space was not necessarily to have it right next to where your phone was. Who knows? Like it could have been a high traffic area in your house or whatever. It's it's sort of silly, but it's like really America Online did an amazing job at creating software that was that really broke down to people how to get online. It was so impressive. Really was because it was just a step by step process. Like, this is what's going to happen, you know, taking people's fear and sort of fear of the unknown away and explaining how this is going to work. Because you had to figure some of these things out. You know, if back then people didn't necessarily have paid, um, like, they didn't necessarily have unlimited uh, calling, right? And certainly, even if they had unlimited local calling, they may not have had unlimited local, uh, so long distance calling, right? It used to be sort of broken out by that and you might be paying by the minute. And so if you were to connect to the internet, potentially you could end up with a massive phone bill, which would not be, you know, nice for anyone involved with that, right? So it really kind of broke it down of like getting a local number that you could dial into and, you know, explaining how it works and yada, yada, yada. And then essentially once you were to, once you'd finally decided to dial in and connect, it would make that really strange. If you've never heard what dial internet, dial up internet sounds like, you should go listen to that, I guess. <laughs> go like find a YouTube clip or something. Uh, but it was like these, all these tones and hisses and things. And uh, eventually like it would, like you would hear like a ding and it would say like, how, how to say that? I think there was a couple like audio messages that AOL would tell you. I want to say that they would say you're online, but I'm not so sure about that. They would definitely say you got mail. That was the thing because what, what it was, was like, you know, we now we think about browsers like, oh, there's Safari and there's Firefox and there's Chrome and yada yada. But this is kind of even before web browsers were like really a thing. You really would do everything inside of AOL. You would, you would do everything inside of this this AOL program, and it had it had it came with. It was kind of like almost like how. Google has all these suite of products like you know they have Gmail and Google Docs and all this kind of stuff somewhat similar like the AOL really had an ecosystem of products they had email right that you would sort of get by signing up for the service you would get um, they had chat AOL instant messenger right which is the first instant messaging program really um, well the first certainly popular one uh, and then they had a, their own like built-in web browser. And I think that there was even some sort of like, because you don't necessarily know where to go, I guess, when you connected to the internet. So I think they would give you sort of suggestions of things that you could do on the internet. Um, it was really like an all-in-one thing. And I think it, it probably started to come, I don't know when AOL was really started to come out, but I feel like it probably started in like maybe Windows 95, and then 98, and then, you know, by the time XP came out, you probably could still get it there for dial-up. Um, but then you would start, I think XP was when 
Microsoft really made Internet Explorer a mandatory application in Windows uh, so that in computers started to have um, Ethernet ports right around like the 2000s, I guess. Um, yeah. Or I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, I think that's right. Because for a while there was a, there was like a transition from normal phone line connection to like DSL. Basically like DSL found a way to to maximize the post like the possible the, the maximum amount of bandwidth that you can get or the maximum amount of speed that you can get out of a normal phone line mm -hmm. right so computers for a while had like a phone line connection uh for the modem and then they would eventually have both so they have phone line and or ethernet so you can kind of choose which one and it wasn't for a while until you know the phone line part was phased out and the ethernet port is um still present in a lot of devices but not all computers right like if you get a a mac now it doesn't have an ethernet port built in necessarily depending on which mac you get right i think like the mac mini and the mac studio and the imac um i'm not sure if the imac even has a Ethernet. I would think that they would, but I'm not so sure. They're so thin these days that, uh, you know, Apple's sort of dongle city where if it doesn't have it, you can get a dongle for it. So that transition, even when AOL was, was sort of at its peak, uh, you know, in, in if you're using like AOL Instant Messenger or you're using the internet, there still was no downloading or streaming of video or music or even pictures. If you if you were to try to download one image on a dial-up connection, just one image, it could take several minutes just to get one image downloaded. And you would see the image loading line by line. And the thing about dial-up was if you couldn't use the phone in your house and the internet at the same time, as soon as you dialed into the internet, the phone line's down, right? And if you need to get, get on to make a call, now your internet's down. So, and it wasn't necessarily the most stable thing. So you could get booted off the internet or maybe someone was trying to call and then it kicked you off the internet. So then, you know, you'd have to go log all the way back in and then try to get that next little image to like continue to load so it just really was not a thing um and so that sort of brings us to this like evolution where then pretty quickly in the early 2000s you know that's when we started to see wi-fi that's when we started to see uh really ethernet sort of take hold um and which allowed for faster browsing and faster speeds of the internet websites started to get a little bit more mature and more um what i mean by mature is i <laughs> just better uh, better technology about websites just became better and better and better and better right um there was more design options and uh and also websites started to become popular, right? Like you see the birth of like Amazon and 
other companies, eBay and companies that were selling goods online. And uh, the streaming stuff, I don't think really came along until like the the late 2000s. You know, I like YouTube and things like that. I mean, you know, even if you think of like Spotify, for example, like Spotify is very new. That that technology where you can just click on a song and it starts playing automatically, it's really not that old. I mean, we're, now we're talking like less than ten years. Um, if I have my memory on click, you know, give or take, it's pretty much. So, so, so really it's been like, you, you could say really within like the last 10, 15 years, I mean, I guess you could say 20 years, that's when this new thing about adult content really started to become a new thing because it, it was something that was accessible now on people's personal computers and people's personal computers was a thing, right? They're like really like. You know, because there used to be with sort of dial up internet, it was really all about the family computer. The family would have their own computer. The whole household would have a single computer. Everyone shared that computer. But after that, it really started coming into like personal computers. So now I have a computer and you have a computer. You know, everybody has their own computer. Everybody gets a computer. Um, and uh, so those two things that combined for like now it's not a shared machine it's yours and now the internet speeds are going faster and faster and then the, the websites are able to load more and more content faster so and then you started to see the images and the video start to come in and one of the things that a lot of times uh, some people make the argument that adult content sometimes pushes technology forward because there's this, this innate human nature to explore that and so like you know a lot of early technology um you know like it's it's tends to be there right if you look at like vr headsets or you know whatever the, the latest newest and greatest technology is like adult content is generally there and in a way like they are you know you could argue and some people have argued that they sort of push that technology forward in some way just because of again it's like just this really deeply innate human thing um that we are interested in that or that we you know are drawn to that or whatever we're evolutionarily like wired to think about that stuff so so this is this comes back to the original question that's been asked and the question essentially is about what I feel about this. The question was a little bit maybe broader than how I'm going to necessarily answer it. But one of the pieces was like, how do I feel about this content? But also there's a few sort of social trends that are occurring and so the first thing was that there's this wave of streaming content that came and 
coming along with it was this adult stuff. And, and really, even to this day, like, you know, one of the things I like to do is, um, or I, one of the things I'm, I know how to do and really want to find the good way to share the knowledge is I know how to set up any of these devices uh, or set up a home so that you can filter out content that you don't want. In fact, you can also set timers on things, time limits, so things turn off at a specific time. Right. One of the reasons I'm able to do this podcast is because, I, like, my internet-related devices that are potentially distracting shut off at a certain time in the evening, and so I'm left to do only productive things with technology. Uh, so, so, so again, it's like the first kind of wave of this was just like this tidal wave, and it just like. It just kind of kind of came in and it was just crashing and it just was there. And society, I don't really know if they've had a chance to really react to it yet. I don't think that really um, the, you know, government is generally slow to react to things also. So um, there are still devices that come out that don't really have adequate they generally call them parental controls. I think that they should just be called like screen time is a much better you much better um, phrase because parental controls generally means that the you know the parents are in control and then they they just need to moderate what their kids are doing. But in reality, most in this this day and age, the parents also need, in my opinion. Um, a lot of them need controls on their own devices, right? So they're not just scrolling on, you know, Pinterest all day or <laughs> Instagram or whatever, or you know, or any of these other websites, right? Or that they're so they're not playing video games twenty four seven, right? That sort of thing. Um, and so, I guess you could say that more and more of these devices have some sort of capability of some sort of screen time thing, which I think is really not just good, but necessary. Um, I'm not a fan of smart TVs because like that just adds another layer of complexity. Cause I think very much like, I think very strongly about devices that I bring into the house um, and, and how they connect to the internet and whether or not they have these type of capabilities and most smart TVs don't. Right. They just want to like give you as much as you possibly can to get you kind of to, to keep you happy, but also just to like, I don't want to say get you hooked, but you know, the, their goal and the goal for a long time was just like get people online and get them connected and get them using a site and get the, you know, market to them because get their using, get them using our site, you know, get them using our product as much as humanly possible. Um, and so I appreciate when companies like take the stance of putting in like actual good controls. You know, even Apple initially, when they were asked about like the sort of adding screen time, I think it was one of their investors who suggested it because they're they were saying like their their grandkids or whatever are on their phone all the time. Like they and Apple was not doing enough, 
And I think Apple's initial response was like, we are doing enough. It's fine. Everything's fine. But I think the person was such a, like a large investor that they actually took it seriously. You know, I don't, I couldn't tell exactly their motivations, but they did implement the screen time thing. And I think that's like one of the best thing about Apple products, specifically iPhones and iPads, if you do have them. Uh, so anyways, so we're slowly getting the mechanisms to where if you want to, if you start to look around and say like, oh, wait, I don't want to be on social media this much. I don't want to be on video games this much. I don't want to be on TV this much. I don't want to view adult content this much or at all. Right. So here's some tools that like actually can limit that or block those things. Then then becomes the question of like, do you want to? So their question involves a phrase. So this is the other, like, I guess, adult sort of phrase that is used, um, which is called nofap. And it's essentially just means that you abstain from self-gratification, okay? Uh, and I believe the from what i understand that the idea is not is not relevant to like other pe like if you're married or you know you're you're in a loving relationship like it's not saying to abstain from that like to activities with someone else that you know um unless you have some sort of issue there but it, what it's just saying is like abstaining from um you know doing this yourself and I, it's closely associated with adult content particularly like internet-based content because a lot of that is like how things start for people like sitting around by themselves like there's gonna be a certain amount of that happening but the the content that's so readily available can potentially drive people to want to do that more and more um more than they I guess normally would so so the concept is to not to purposefully stop doing that and to and so there's like communities about this this is there's podcasts about this and YouTube videos about it and um, you know I think there's even like websites and support groups about this uh, I've also heard a phrase called um, monk mode which is essentially very similar. It's like sort of abs not just abstaining from content, but also like from a lot of things. Like it goes along with this dopamine detox type of thing where you basically like want to be extremely productive and you want to remove all distractions and you you know so it's like living like a monk kind of idea right that we're surrounded by all this influx of internet and information and and all these things are hitting our dopamine and it's like you know people are like addicted to it you know that's the concept um obviously i'm not a doctor like i always say this is entertainment only none of this is advice um but the the idea there is like to remove all distractions and then to really sort of reset, give yourself a dopamine reset um, 
but also I guess you know try to like balance your dopamine and serotonin I think is the idea is um, and also uh, the the you know the activity the self activity the self gratifying activity um, potentially is the most um, is like m- has more of an effect on you because there's a physio- physiological component right it's not just like watching content or listening to content there's also like f- you know physio- physiologically you're engaging in things that are going to like physical physically change your chemicals i mean you know or uh, i don't know how he says but you know you go through a change like in, you know when a doctor I can't, can't talk about all the changes that are there um but the idea just being that it's a powerful activity and if you and potentially you're wasting a lot of energy if you're engaging in that a lot so they're asking my my thoughts about that and you know i think that uh one of the things about the experiments that I do um, and the things that I'm very interested in um, in terms of minimizing technology usage is that there's just, I sort of live a life where I'm very much ingrained with technology. I, you know, um, I, I do it for work, um, but also, you know, I am on computers a lot. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, so TV and things like that are something that occupies a lot of fit and not necessarily physical space, but occupies a lot of time. And, uh, and so I've been more and more and more uh really sort of limiting time right like talked about like shutting off my internet in general at a certain time in the evening but i do it in such a way where it's certain websites are available certain apps are still available so i may not be able to you know get on and listen to some content or watch new videos or they're entertainment based, but I can, uh, I can still like use a, like fitness app, for example, right. Or record a podcast or these type of things. So, so it's like systematically setting up the technology and the internet from a, app level to a website level about what I'm allowing myself access to to help facilitate um, sort of more not just productivity but more peace more balance Um, you know I think that we're generally very like attracted to even just attracted to screens in general. I, I have a sort of theory that we used to be in com- community. Uh, I believe, you know, you can call that communion. Like we would commune with other people around a fire. So it was like 
this thing of like, you know, warmth and good conversation and camaraderie and community, but there was a flickering light that was, we were looking at, we we're looking at the fire, the fire was there, it was glowing, it was changing. And if you've ever seen a TV, if you just stop looking at the TV directly, just look at the wall and you just see those like sort of flickering, you know, flickering lights, it's like very much like a, a fireplace, so you know, or a, um, what do you call it? Like a, not necessarily a bonfire, but a, just a campfire. There we go. I'm going to call it a campfire. Uh, just like that. So I think there's something like, like almost like flies or, or certain bugs are attracted to the light. I think we very much are also, um, probably more so than we like to admit. So, you know, having, the sun go down outside, but having this flickering light that we can look at all hours, um, I think is very like comforting to us. And I think that's part of why uh, we probably, you know, use screen so much. And because uh, there is like an effect, like, you know, it does have an effect on your pupils and things like that. Your pupils has to adjust to the light. So I do assume that that has some effect. Again, I'm not a doctor. These are just some theories um, that I have and I do um, there's one person that I've watched their YouTube channel who talks about this more eloquently than I do um, where he is like this rich entrepreneur you know successful entrepreneur who has sort of gone through these things. I think he's talked about both of these concepts, the monk mode and the other one, um, and sort of lives by that. I find myself more and more living where I don't think it's just one thing. I, th I think that this sort of lifestyle, whatever it is that I'm really like pursuing, is encompasses all areas of life. So that, you know... It also includes food. I'm now using a food application where I get food mailed to me every week. You know, it comes frozen. I throw it in the freezer and it's healthy food only uh, because I can't be like trusted to like, you know, if I'm I, I work late at long hours. So like by the time I get off of work, I'm just hungry. I want a pizza or something like that. I don't want to think about food. So if I don't have something that's super, super simple and easy and I don't have to think about. Um, and so I also very much um, think about like distraction in terms of like, even like you can say food, right? Like if I have chocolate in the house, I'm going to eat the chocolate, you know? Um, if I have uh, whatever. So the goal is just to not, have it around have a have an environment that's so that has so few distractions which used to be something was natural and normal again going back to this like earlier time period and time frame you know even the grocery store there just wasn't that many options for really truly unhealthy food the food was not as processed you know the the stores were more mom and pop stores they were more there were 
a lot closely more closely aligned with the actual farms um, food was much more seasonal so there was all these things about things being sort of generally more in sync and more healthy where now we have this sort of artifice or artificial um, these changes that have been allowed through technology and we're just starting to see some solutions that are built with more sustainability and also more um, health uh, as well. And so, so generally my thought is, <laughs> to answer the question, which I don't even have enough time because I have to keep this under an hour. Um, generally speaking, I think that there's too much access. I think that the access to content, whether or not you think it's good or bad or whatever you think of it, I think the access to it is too too readily available. I just, it just, you know, it just is. There's, there's still too many devices that do not have good screen time type controls on them. Um, and that's the, you know, and there's also no, like for example, with uh, if you were to sign up with Sirius XM Radio, which is still a thing, satellite radio, they have an option where you can have all of their channels, or you can buy the family subscription, and the family subscription cuts out all of the adult content, which they have channels just on adult, just pure adult content on on Sirius XM. You cannot call your ISP, your internet service provider, and tell them the same thing, right? You should be able to say, like, hey, internet service provider, like, just give me, I don't want the adult stuff. Just give me the, you know, just give me the rest of the stuff, stuff that I need for work and, you know, family stuff, some entertainment stuff, but just cut out all the, that is not an option. That just is not. So I think people have to first decide if they, want to cut that kind of stuff out be conscious about it you know i've heard so many like people say like oh well it's not you know my family's not like that or the people that you know like there's a lot of like denial i think involved um with how widespread a lot of this like content is and who's using it and when um so i think that it's uh it's still very difficult to to cut out access to all this kind of stuff some people would say well just have have um you know just have a strong willpower but i think environment overpowers willpower a lot of the time that's just how it is so you have to control your environment as much as possible i would encourage people to control their environment in a way that works for them you know, so if you are like, well, I love all this stuff and I, you know, love to have it all around me and, you know, 24 seven, that works for me, then like, great, go for it. That's a beautiful thing. But if you want to, if you don't feel that same way, then you should be empowered to look for solutions. Um, I happen to be one of the people who has gone through this process and knows the technical solutions that it takes to black out all of the stuff that you might not want. Um, it's not an easy process, but it it is 
possible. So hopefully that answers your question. I have about 10 seconds left. Uh, leave a comment. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think about this episode. I appreciate you listening. Take care.